0: it long enough and it will yield tremendous benefits and I thank God for my wife who because she's always so quiet she's always behind the scenes she is the reason I am the man I am today Alright, enough of this thug tears. Let's uh, go before the Lord in prayer before I lose this service. Heavenly Father, you are wonderful. You've given me an opportunity to share of your goodness tonight. Man, I don't deserve any of this. I'm not good enough. But it's not about me, it's about you. So, tonight, God, It's you. I decrease. It's no accident that I'm speaking tonight. It's by divine appointment. So I don't want to know what Vince knows. I only want to say what you say. I only want to speak your words. Pray for every single family that's here. I'm putting your grace to the test tonight putting your power to the test tonight. Quit talking about what I want. I only want to talk about what you want. God, I love you. Dad, I love you. Thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. You all can be seated. And open with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. That's right, the grace guy is coming out the Old Testament tonight. Exodus chapter 14. Amen. We will uh, still have small groups tonight, but there's a bit of information I needed to to deposit before we actually break off into small groups. Um, If you have the Bible app or if you utilize the Bible app, you can just go to, uh, there are three lines, you click on that, events, and you'll see tonight's notes. Uh, So you'll probably be able to preach the message for me. I put all my notes and all my secrets in there. I've had the awesome privilege and humbling opportunity to officiate homegoing services and memorial services across this country. The last 10 years of full-time ministry, uh, we've officiated uh, funerals in all different types of places. And uh, what I've noticed over the years uh, while officiating homegoings, memorial services, is that during those times, there is a larger segment of people who actually answer the altar call per uh, average of people who are actually in attendance. So in a typical service, we might have one, two, three percent of the audience come down to the altar call, and those are good days. But at Memorial and Homegoing Services, you get anywhere from 65 to 75% answer the altar calls. And I believe that's in part because they're thinking about the life of the loved one that was left and um, what they need to do with theirs. But I also think there's another part that when you're sitting and confronted with mortality, And the fact that life is but a vapor and that should the Lord tarry, we all will have to make a transition. In that moment, you're forced to deal with what's going on within yourself. And because Christ is the only answer, he's the only way when we offer Jesus at those times, people are quick to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The reason I use that analogy is, in life is not about what happens to us, but when things happen to us, what's happening inside of us. And what we're experiencing in this time is not a result of the choice of a select group of people. What we're experiencing is a widespread of individuals who are having to deal with the internal turmoil that they put on other things. What am I saying? When we get afraid in life, it's because we don't know how to deal with what's coming at us. And fear causes us to lash out. Fear causes us to return back to behaviors that we put on the altar 10, 20, 30 years ago. Have you noticed when you're stressed, you're more susceptible to temptation? That when your nerves are bad, you're more susceptible to go grab The purple bag. And tonight, I just for the brief moment that I have, I want to talk about the gospel and the word and God and the reality of what he's given to us. For a while, the Bible was taught that one day in the sweet By and by, I said, when we all get to heaven, what a great, what a great day it will be. I said, there will be no more crying. I said, I'll put off this earthly gown, this earthly body, this earth suit. And I will step into all eternity. ha, ha, ha y'all don't hear me tonight, ha, ha ha I'm talking to you that one day, ha, ha. I'm telling you one day,, ha, ha. not two days, but one day, not three days, but it's in one day,, ha, ha. that when we all see Jesus, hey Boy, You, you everybody just cut up like, yes, I'm gonna see God, I'm gonna see Jesus. What am I to do now? And so there has to be something that separates Christianity from every other religion. There has to be something that separates our relationship with God from theory, from theology, that there's something that we have to be able to hold. There's something that we have to be able to see. There, there has to be something that is within us that always comes on the outside for others to know that God is real. So for us to only preach about one day we will see God, one day we will be delivered, that is actually called slave theology. Slave masters would teach slaves that one day your God will come by here and set you free. So it's taught people to not look for what God has already done, but be in unbelief that he's not yet done it. So the title of tonight's message is Faith for Today, Hope for Tomorrow. Faith for today, hope for tomorrow. That the just, yes, the just lives by faith. While we live by faith in every move that we make, there should still reside within us a confidence That God is the one who holds our tomorrows. So because he has me perfectly secure today and he's already taken care of tomorrow, I don't have need to be afraid. But what I have to do tonight before we talk is deal with why we have a hard time trusting that God actually has us. Exodus 14 verse 13. It says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. So if he's asking the people to not be afraid, what is the opposite of fear? Faith. So he's saying, don't be afraid, but be in faith and stand still. In the amplified version of this, still means to be firm, to be confident, and to be undismayed, undiscouraged, unbothered. When we talk about faith, many times we talk about, you know, I'm in faith. And so, you know, God is really leading me now to take this next step and to just trust him. And that is true. But faith can also be applied to when you feel like moving, you stand still. When you feel like swaying, you remain rooted when you feel like all hope is lost, you're undiscouraged. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The word see there in the Hebrew, I'm not going to read the Hebrew because nobody knows what that word in Hebrew means. So let me give you the English of the Hebrew. The word "and see in the Hebrew means so that you can experience by having a direct object to behold. In layman's terms, I'm sorry, I'm still in your case, babe. you can hold what you believe for. Meaning that what separates us from every other religion is that when our faith is in God, we should see what we believe. We should hold what we believe. We should walk in what we pray for. Recently, the Lord, he asked me a question because Preparation is never lost time. I have counted up every single year, every single job I've done, and it's taken me 11 years to go through every single position, both administratively and ministerially in the church. It's taken me 11 years to do all of that. None was wasted time because when you prepare, your destiny is lined up to meet opportunity. See, most of us have opportunities that we're called to do, but we aren't ready to walk in because we actually don't believe that what we pray for we can have. So we pray for something it happens. I ain't mean all that. But God desires that when you open your mouth to see what you say, Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Keep a finger in Exodus 14. And just for those who enjoy studying the Bible, here's a quick nugget. You interpret the Bible with the Bible all the time. Okay, so you don't necessarily need to go to a commentary to get the actual meaning of a scripture. A commentary, if you take away Ari, is comments by someone else. So God's word actually interprets itself. And so the way you build a foundation for any doctrine, a foundation for any Bible study, is you go to a scripture and then you get it defined by other scriptures. So when we talk about, see, the salvation of the Lord, Moses was talking to the people of Israel About One day being able to step into the promised land. So for those who enjoy studying, I want you to go back and notice how Moses was a type or a foreshadow of who Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ has taken us out of our old life and placed us into our new life. And sometimes we act brand new because we we think that living this Christian life and not doing the old things that we're missing out. But but just be honest with yourself that the reason why you stop living that old life is because, you know, I just can't do this no more. I'm just by myself. Okay, thank you. And when Jesus took us from our old life, that old man no longer exists. Well, well, with the people of Israel, they had left years of slavery, years of oppression, years of having to do things that were just toiled to them. And generation after generation after generation were believing for one day someone to come and take them to their promised land. But the good news about Jesus Christ is that when he came, the moment you accepted Jesus, he took you out of Egypt and placed you into his promised land. The only problem is our mind Got some Egypt ways. So you're living in this promised land thinking like a slave. And so think about you as a Christian right now. You're, You're not the old you. You're a brand new person recreated in Jesus Christ and you still are begging for things that belong to you. In this time, the church Is the hope for the world because we know something others don't. But God didn't intend for us to be the only ones that know. But until you handle it for yourself, until you taste and see the goodness of God, it will not register. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. So what is this salvation? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. In him also we obtained an inheritance. And and if you cross-reference this with Colossians 127, inheritance with Colossians 127, you will see that this inheritance that you were born into that belongs to you the moment you became a Christian is Jesus Christ in you the hope of glory. What that means is that the moment you became born again, God put a deposit of heaven in you. Say, I have a deposit of heaven in me. Come on, make that personal. Say, I have a deposit of heaven in me. Come on, y'all. You right now have heaven. More heaven than you can use, as it's a deposit of what's to come. But the only way you withdraw heaven is by faith that it belongs to you. The word hope there means confident expectation that you should just see glory. Everywhere you set your foot is God's glory. Doesn't matter what situation you're in, you have God's glory. Doesn't matter what other people say to you. You have God's glory. His glory is his weight. His glory is his riches. So if you have all of heaven. More than what you'll ever be able to use. And it translates to God's wealth in you. What are we afraid of? Really? That is not true. That it really doesn't belong to me. So he didn't say in Ephesians 1.11, in him we also have ta- obtained a paycheck. Did it say anything about a paycheck? Did it say we've obtained our earnings? Inheritance. means you were just born rich. So I don't have to be afraid of anything because I'm more wealthy than the world allows. being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We're going to deal with that predestination word because how many of you heard that? Well, it must be the Lord's will that X, Y, and Z happen. That if it took place, then God must've wanted it. Who's heard of that before? And, and let's, let's have some dialogue here. So with that thread of thinking, then that would make me believe that there's nothing I can do because God has already set it up. So I actively submit to things I should be actively resisting. And I resist what God has actively already provided for me because of a wrong teaching on predestination. Predestination speaks to all the promises of God are yes and Amen. That means that all the promises of God are available before the foundation of the world. They were already pre-put in your destiny. Okay. Everybody follow me so far? Just because all of the promises are available, it does not mean they're automatic. It's like having a bank account that doesn't get empty, but you don't access the pen to withdraw. So I live life without what's mine and say that it must be that it must be God's will. I don't have what I need. No. Number one, we didn't access the account. Because we don't know it belongs to us. Or. We think that we disqualified ourselves from his inheritance, which means that there's something we could do to disqualify ourselves from being his child. Now, I've talked to many of parents, and I've seen a many a things, but I've never heard a parent as angry as they were truly believe they wanted to disown their child for acting up. In fact, it hurts them to see their child act up. And if they could do something to rectify that child's situation, they would. And it it angers them. It fears them that they just can't snap their fingers and they turn around. So, how can natural parents have more love than God, who is love? How? It's impossible. Uh, Let's go back to Exodus 14. But uh, in your notes, you'll see I I was going to read to verse 14, but I don't have that time. Let's go back to Exodus 14, 14. There's one more thing I need to talk about, and then we'll have some discussion. Exodus 14, 14. It says the Lord, and the Lord translated there in Hebrew is Adonai. Adonai means sovereign Lord. So earlier I talked about predestination means that it's already in your destiny beforehand. We need to access it. Adonai, or the sovereignty now of God, Now, let's get back to the sovereignty of God who is heard. Well, you know, God is sovereign and the Lord gives and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Actually, the word taketh away doesn't mean subtract in that rendering. It means the Lord not only picks you up, he cleans you off. And takes away the impurities that stops you from actually living like God intended for you to live. Okay. So sovereignty of the Lord is this. In the Old Testament. Honor was conditional. If you honor God. Then God will. Honor you. Who's heard that? That's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. So can I can I hop on a, a sacred and ride it you know, away real quick? So you're not blessed in your giving because you honor God with your giving. Because then that would make your blessing. Conditional. And then you could brag about God blessing you because of your giving which is self-performance. So that means that you're not blessed because you don't give. Hmm. I'm dancing right now. I know, I know. I'm I'm going to paint this and put a bow on it and we're going to leave free and excited and happy. All right, so let me talk about new, new covenant honor. Old covenant, if you honor God, God will honor you. New covenant, God has honored you by committing himself to you. God has honored you by committing himself to you. Will we consider that an honor? If an important person had a limited amount of time and they said, I want to take half of it and spend it with you, you would say, I am so honored. So God has already honored you by committing himself to you unconditionally. In the new covenant... We honor him by giving back to him what he's given to us. Honor increases your capacity to receive more. So people who do not honor God in their giving are like those who have holes in their pockets because even though God gave them the power to get wealth, They dishonored him by saying, I know what to do with it better than you do. But those who honor God in their giving say, God, I am trusting you for your wisdom and how to handle what you've given me. And that's what causes people to have more than enough. But they're more than enough is already available it's whether they will honor him see in a marriage i'm not honored by my wife only doing what i force her to do i don't get any honor by her cooking cleaning loving yeah amen and and i don't get any honor because i forced her to do that but when she has the choice to do whatever she wants to do and she still chooses to give back to me in a way that blesses me, it increases the capacity of our relationship. Let's bring this home. Your life today, every day you're awake, is a gift from the sovereign Lord. You have a choice. You can take your problems into your own hands and you'll create more problems. Or you can honor God because he's already committed himself to you and give all of those problems back to him and increase your capacity to receive more wisdom and how to live your life. So let's finish. Exodus 14, 14. Exodus 14, 14 says, The sovereign Lord, the Lord, when you return what's coming at you, he will fight for you. God cannot fight things you're holding on to because you're saying, God, I've got this. And in him being sovereign, he will allow you to make your own decisions, even if that means you choose hell. That's God being sovereign. Because get this, if God was just controlling people's decisions, he would make all of us go to heaven. So when it comes to God being sovereign, He gives you the choice whether to trust him or not. But when you do trust him, he is sovereign to execute that in a way that you couldn't do in your own strength. And that only comes through trust. Amen. All right. Let's uh, have some small group discussion. I want you all to pair up. Into groups of five or so. I only have two questions tonight, so it's going to be really quick. Groups of five, you all can do that now. Pair up into groups of five. I want you all to think about what we just talked about. All right. I'm going to leave about seven minutes on the board because this one's going to be good. So let's go ahead and throw the first question up. And that first question is, on a scale from one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest... How would you rate your trust in God concerning handling issues of your life and why? On a scale from one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest. How would you rate your trust in God concerning handling issues in your life? Seven minutes on the clock. Amen. Amen. All right. And That was an important question because, you know, we can think that we're trusting and then actually take an inventory and realize, man, we're doing a lot of stuff, at least for me and my own ability and my own strength and trying to, you know, fleece God. And Lord, if you over here at six o'clock, then I know you with me uh, as opposed to um, saying, you know what, whatever you say, whatever you do. Um, so Again, in in light and in theme of today's message, faith for today, hope for tomorrow. The next question deals with what is one thing you can implement this week to exercise your trust in the Lord? What is one thing you can implement? And I want you all to listen because I want us to be accountable. So come back next week and talk about how well you implement that one thing. So what is the one thing you can implement in your life this week to exercise your trust in the Lord? Another seven minutes. Amen, amen, amen Yes Amen. Now, tonight, what I want us to do during the altar call is something a little different than what we've done typically. And that is, I want to invite everyone up close to the altar tonight for prayer. So you all can stand up and come on to the to- on, come on, come on. Everybody kind of come in together. We're family. And uh, so I was spending time in prayer, the Lord kind of showed me that 50, maybe 60 years ago even before that, the church was the the pinnacle of the community. And the church was filled with prayer warriors. The church was filled with soldiers. In fact, the church was the voice for the community. And they would call prayer meetings, and they would pray just to experience God. And mighty things took place, not only inside of the church walls, but also outside of the four walls where people were. I believe because of prosperity, I believe because of um, us as a society doing quote unquote better, we become lackadaisical when it comes to actually praying and getting after the things of God. And what I was reminded of this week is that, as those who are committed and those who know, so you don't do this on Sunday, because Sunday you, you get the crowd, but Thursday you get the core. For those of us who know, I believe it's our time to pray and not only praying for the sweet by and by but we want to have faith that we see God today and we want to take to this world a hope that all of their tomorrows are in the hands of their creators so in your notes um, as well as we could throw up on the screen there's a personal prayer a prayer that I personally pray I wanted to share it with you because we're going to say it together, but then we're going to launch off into personal prayer. And I want to encourage everybody to get close. This is too, too big of a, a gap. This is too big. It's like we, we've gotten so distant and we've got entourage and we just need Jesus. And we need to do life together. And we need to be sensitive to the realm of the spirit because that's who's going to give us an unbiased report and tell us what to do. We've got to trust God. So if we can throw that personal prayer up on the screen. And I want us to just say this prayer together on the count of three. And then at, at the end, we're just going to lift our hands and out of your mouth. I, I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God for yourself. We're going to do corporate prayer. And then at the end of that, the music team is just going to close us out with the worship song that... We sang earlier, so on the count of three, we're going to read what's on the screen. One, two, three. Lord, I give you today. Open doors that only you can open and close doors I should not walk through. Let me know you are with me by empowering me to do things I once thought were impossible. If you're not in it, then I don't want it. I know you love me. I love you in the name of Jesus Amen. So let's just lift up our hands unto God. Open your mouth and talk to the Lord for yourself. Father, we love you and we praise you this evening. And we take up our responsibility as the body of Christ. Each and every person bringing their supply of the anointing of the power of God this evening. God, you are here among us tonight. You are right here meeting us at this altar. God, it's our prayer. It's our cry that we honor you tonight and we give you our lives and we consecrate our lives to you every single decision every single plan every single thing that we need god we give it to you father to only do what you can do so right